Transmitting from the lovely little city of Taylor, Texas, you are listening to Plow and Hose, a show dedicated to the joys and challenges of organic backyard gardening in Central Texas. I am your host, Julie Rydell. Welcome to the show. Well, hey there, plant people, my gardening friends. Thank you for joining me in the Plow and Hose studio today, which is, as always, just out on the patio here in my backyard in Taylor, Texas. I just cannot get over this weather that we've been having. Um, You know, it's for sure hot, but, you know, not like crazy Texas summer time in August hot. Um, It's just really actually pretty nice uh, for being early August and I gotta say I kind of love it a whole lot. Um, I guess it was like earlier this morning. um, I was just out in my garden just kind of getting the day started, walking around, checking on my plants and just you know enjoying the quiet early morning and of walking through the dewy grass and i just started to um wonder if mother nature was giving us a break this summer um kind of as a peace offering maybe to make up for the super crappy winter that we had earlier this year i i don't know um you know whatever it doesn't matter i'm just really going to enjoy what um, wonderful weather that we've been having here lately. This past week, I was able to get all my tomatoes cut back. And with this slightly cooler August weather that we've uh, kind of kicked off the month with, I am hopeful that they will recover quickly and start looking a whole lot better because right now they pretty much look terrible. Um, I've noticed some new growth on them, so that's good. I'm just kind of really anxious for them to start to look better because I cut them way back and most of my tomato plants went from looking like a complete jungle mess to bare, naked stalks, I guess. And they look really super, super sad, but... I do know that my tomato plants have a a nice, strong, healthy root system under the dirt. And even though I whack them back kind of severely, I know that the top parts of the plants can recover. And there's still plenty of time for them to put on new growth and new flowers and set fruit for a fall harvest. You know, speaking of fall harvest, if you want to have fresh produce from your garden in um, in this fall, you really need to plant things now. We are just so fortunate here in Central Texas to have a second chance to plant all of our summer favorites again. We can put in another round of beans or summer squash, cucumbers, okra, corn, southern peas, and also we can actually put in spinach seeds right now. We haven't had uh, fresh spinach in a long time. So 
you can definitely get those seeds and put those in your garden. We can transplant peppers, tomatoes, and eggplants. Those guys take a little bit of time to get their root systems established, but there's still plenty of time to get them in the ground and have time for them to be happy and healthy and productive plants. If you want fall potatoes, just start looking for seed potatoes or small organic grocery store potatoes that you can um, set out and get them to um, kind of pre-sprout, get those little green eyes on them, and then you're going to want to plant those during the last two weeks of August. We have a really, really short planting window for Irish potatoes, but it's not till later in the month, so you need to start looking for them now. Um, really because sea potatoes are a lot harder to find this time of year in Central Texas. Since we are somewhat in between active growing seasons, the veggies that we planted in the spring for our summer harvest, you, I'm sure you've already noticed, but they are starting to fade. They don't live forever and you know once they they give us a nice good crop most of those start to um start to fade and kind of die but the things that we can plant for the fall they aren't doing much either right now um i know that's how it is in, in my yard because i haven't planted anything and um Everything is either in pots or they're in the seed packets still. So I got to get busy. If you have um, some plants that are still hanging in there, like okra or black eyed peas and sweet potatoes, and if you haven't fertilized those in three or four weeks, you probably could do that this week. Just a simple, well-balanced liquid fertilizer applied to your plants. Um, it, that's going to help pull them through the heat. Just don't um, apply your liquid fertilizer during the heat of the day. You don't want to accidentally cause them to get sunburned and damage your leaves. Or, you know, another thing you could try is a slow-release granular organic product. Um, choose one that has, a low, has low nutrient numbers on the front of the package. Those are the NPK numbers um, that are listed that stands for nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Some, you know, just choose something basic like 555 or, you know, even lower. You could do like a 121, you know, something, um, something gentle. Um, like I said, you can, you can find that nutrient ratio on the packaging. It's usually right there um, in kind of big numbers right on the front of the package. If not, it's listed on the back. If you want, um, if you don't want to add extra fertilizer and you want to give your plants a little boost, go ahead and put out some compost or make some compost tea. Those are always very safe to add to your uh, raised beds any time of the year. Um, just like the liquid fertilizer, don't apply compost tea to plants during the heat of the day. You know, as far as like that dry compost from the bag or from your compost pile, um, you can put that down whenever. It doesn't matter what time of day that you put that out. 
But if you are interested in hearing more about making compost tea, go check out the June 13th Plow Nose podcast, episode number 23. I go into a lot of detail on how to make compost tea as well as aerated compost tea. It's just a different way of making compost tea that adds oxygen to your plants. So be sure to check out that one. That's episode number 23. As long as you wear your sunscreen and keep yourself hydrated, working in the garden this time of year is great because it's a good time to take advantage of that kind of lull in the growing seasons. You know, it's really great for cleaning up and improving your raised beds. After a long, hot summer growing season, beds really benefit from a little refresh. And I can totally relate to that because whenever I clean up, I certainly feel better. Well, um, anyway, it's really easy as just laying down a bit of compost. If that's all you have time for, just spread out an inch layer right on top. You don't even have to work it in. The soil critters and the microbes will work their way up through the soil and find it. But if you do have a garden fork and you have some time, you can turn the soil in your raised beds and mix in that fresh compost. It's gonna help distribute the compost and it's also going to break up any old clumps of roots that didn't get pulled up when you pulled out your old dying spent crispy plants. It's also going to loosen the soil and you will also be creating more pockets of air. Brand new baby seedlings love loose soil so their little roots can grow and your soil biology actually needs oxygen. So by turning your soil and loosening it up, you're, you're adding, incorporating more air into the soil. And all those little critters that are in there, they all need air. So if you have a chance to turn the soil and incorporate some compost before transplanting seedlings or planting seeds, go on and do that. It's really kind of a small, low effort type thing that you can do but it really does make a big difference in root development and improving the soil health. Some other chores that you can do during this week. If you have any dead branches on your shrubs or trees, work on getting them cleaned up after that big stupid freeze that we had back in February, I still have lots of dead wood that needs to be cleared out. I wasn't in any big rush to clean it all out in the spring because I wanted to see what was actually dead and pretty much everything looked dead, but most of the things that I had in my garden um, were already pretty established. So. I had a good feeling that if I just stuck to taking the advice from the agricultural experts, all the plant experts that are out there, and waited until the summer before majorly removing any small trees or shrubs or trimming branches and limbs back, 
I just knew that things would be better than I expected. And I am so glad that I waited because I have lots of things that I thought were really dead. I was super convinced that they were because they look dead well into May. I mean, no signs of life on several of these plants, but they came back and they came back from the base. So Yay, I'm really glad about that because my pomegranates, my figs, my loquat tree, and my little uh, Texas sage, they all came back. I mean, it did take a while for them to put on that new growth. So I am really glad I didn't go crazy removing all the dead wood right away. But I do need to get serious about cutting out some of that dead wood because if I don't, it can cause other issues I mean I am I mean I just look out at some of these shrubs and trees and bushes and I know they look trashy but aside from making them my yard look more pleasing um, safety is a big concern when it comes to deadwood because honestly nobody wants to get hit on the head by falling dead branches dead branches weaken and deteriorate and eventually they break off and fall from the tree winds can cause dead branches to break and snap and fall and you know wherever they land who knows I mean so you could really put they could really potentially hurt people or pets they could hit your house um, or other structures that you have and yeah, they can land and mess up anything that's um, growing underneath them. When dead wood is left on the plants for too long, um, it can break badly, you know, like if we get like a big storm or something. And bad breaks, you know, not only are they all raggedy and jagged and ugly, but those types of breaks can also make your plants more vulnerable to insect infestations and disease issues. Dead branches also aren't the most attractive look unless you're kind of cultivating like a Halloween garden. And I, that's pretty cool. But if that's not the look that you were looking for, go on, remove the dead wood. This will help your plants to grow more symmetrically and have a nicer shape because it's going to look more balanced. Another thing, dead wood can prevent sunlight from reaching the other parts of the tree or your shrub and your plant may not grow evenly because of that shade. Taking out the dead wood will allow the plant to fill out and grow into its proper shape. You are listening to Plow and Hose on KBSR Black Sparrow Radio. If you are enjoying my show, I hope you'll go over to www.blacksparrowmusicparlor.com and check out the station and learn all about the great shows and music all coming out of our little station broadcasting from Taylor, Texas. While you are out on the internet, be sure to stop by the Plow and Hose Facebook page and like and share it with your gardening friends or head over to wherever you get your podcasts like Spotify or Apple. Go over, find Plow and Hose, and subscribe to the Plow and Hose podcast. 
If you like the flexibility of being able to play, pause, rewind my show whenever you want, please download some episodes and don't forget to leave a review. It's really super easy. It doesn't take long at all. Just type up a sentence or two about what you like about the show and click submit. This is going to help others find my show kind of organically. People that um, are just looking for a new podcast by leaving a review. It's going to show that it's a quality show and something that they want to listen to. Also, downloading any Plow and Hose episodes. That helps me get some show statistics. All right, let's get back to talking about plants. I am sure that you have some favorite flowers out in your gardens, you know, around my patio. I have plumbago and pentas. I've got some salvia and zinnias and marigolds. Oh, and there's some verbena too. Anyway, flowers exist for one reason, to make more plants. When a bug pollinates a flower, the plant goes into seed making mode. The plant puts all of its energy into making a seed and then it stops making more flowers. If you want more flowers, then you've got a dead head. And this is just pinching off the dead flower heads. Now, you don't wanna just like pull and remove the petals. You actually wanna snip off the entire head. There's like a little green bump where the stem meets the blossom. Just snip it off right there. Some of y'all have nice, long, strong fingernails, and you can just use those and pinch off your little flowers. Folks like me with inferior fingernails, we need like little scissors or some pruners. But it's really such an easy chore. And I find it kind of satisfying. I just go out there and snip, snip, off with your head, off with your head. All right, that's weird, sorry. (laughs) If you keep up with uh, your deadheading, you will be rewarded with lots and lots of flowers all summer long. It stimulates the plant to kind of bush out a little bit and you'll get a fuller looking plant and you're going to get more flowers. It's going to look fuller because deadheading tricks the plant. You just go in there and snip off that flower head before it sets seeds and the plant thinks, oh crap, that didn't work. I better make some more flowers so I can make some more seeds and continue having all my genes live on forever and ever. (laughs) So what it's going to do when you deadhead, it's going to push out new flowers at the side of the branch where you remove the flower. So it's going to kind of fill it out a lot more. If you have herbs in your garden and you want to prevent them from flowering, so you'll have more leaves to harvest, you got to do that, got to deadhead. Herbs like basil and mint in particular will put out flowers and then they set seed really quickly. And when this happens, the plants are done. They're not going to give you any more leaves. They're not going to put, give any more flowers. The, um, the perennials will die back and you won't, 
you won't have much of them until um, next summer. So pinch off the flowers as soon as you can to prevent them from going to seed. This way you can continue to have plenty of basil leaves to harvest and you're going to want some um, to go with all the fall tomatoes that you're going to um, pick later in the fall. So keep pinching off those flowers and let your plants get bushy. If you do want to let them flower and set seed, you can always wait until the fall. Basil is one of those plants that had to grow on me. Um, mainly because I didn't grow up with fresh basil. My dad was in the military my entire childhood and we moved um, quite often, you know, living on military bases and, you know, we knew that my dad could get a new job and be transferred at pretty much any time. So it was a bit hard for our family to commit to like a real legit garden. Plus, you know, living in all you know, living all over the world and in different kinds of countries with their soil types and their different horticultural zones. By the time we could figure out what would grow, you know, in that location, it was time to move. So I didn't grow up with vegetable garden or fruit trees or any of that. And plus... My family is from Southern Arkansas, which is not exactly known for growing or using fresh basil. So I didn't grow up with an appreciation for fresh basil. I grew up with a little jar um, of dried basil. And having those little jars of dried herbs and spices in the kitchen is, is really great because it allows us to have access to all kinds of herbs all year long. But having fresh herbs that you can just walk out your backyard and pick, that's a culinary game changer. At least it is in my book. I mean, what goes better with fresh garden produce than fresh herbs? I don't know. There's not a whole lot. I mean, salt and butter and cheese, those help a lot. But I think fresh herbs are just so great. They add a flavor that is bright and aromatic and depending on what you're using, they can add warmth and savoriness, savory aspects to a dish like rosemary or sage. Or, you know, they can lighten a dish and be really refreshing um, because they help cool down the flavors like like mint. Mint has those cooling properties. Some fresh herbs add beautiful floral flavors and other ones can add spicy sharpness. Basil plants are tender, heat-loving annuals and they really thrive when temperatures stay above 75 degrees. Babel basil wants to be planted in well-draining soil. Even though they are completely unfazed and love the heat, when it gets above 90 degrees consistently, you need to keep a close eye on your basil plants because they like to stay hydrated. 
So that well-draining soil, it does tend to drain um, excess moisture away. So you've got to keep an eye on your basil plants. If it gets too hot or you miss out on a watering, they're going to start to wilt. Most of the time, if you catch it soon enough, they'll perk back up. But if you let them go too long, that's it. They're done. So just keep an eye on your basil and make sure they get enough water. Back to those uh, dried herbs. You know, I don't really know what kind of basil the big spice companies use for their dried products. But I'm going to assume it's one of the sweet basil varieties. But really, there are just so, so many different types of basils that we can grow that are, they're different than what we can just buy in the grocery store um, in the uh, spice aisle. But, you know, when you're out on the internet or you get your seed catalogs, you know, check out the different kinds of basil and pick up, pick up some different ones to, to try. I mean, seed packets are so, so cheap, you know, just like a couple bucks for a packet of seeds. And you can try all different kinds and really find a variety that you love the best. Now, there are pretty much three main categories of basil. There's sweet, citral, and ornamental. Sweet basil is the biggest family of all the basils. These are the most common ones um, that are used for culinary purposes. They tend to have very, very fragrant leaves and they either smell more like clove or licorice or like anise, kind of that fennelly anise licorice scent. But none of the sweet basils actually have like a sugar sweet flavor. I don't know who came up with that term, um, but to me, sweet just kind of means mild, and it means they aren't overly um, spicy. The clove-scented basils, those tend to be the ones that are grown in the Mediterranean, and they are favored for Italian, Greek, and Southern French cuisine. The cultivars um, that taste more like anise or licorice are more popular where they are native and they grow in Southeast Asia. So those are really popular in Southeast Asian cuisine. So like your Thai basil, your Siam queen and white basil are a little bit spicier and they have that licorice flavor, but all basils are pungent and they have an incredible flavor, but those licorice scented ones, they're going to have a little bit more um, spice and bite to them. For the uh, citral basils, there's only a few basils varieties in that citral family. Your lemon basil and your lime basils. They um, are in their own category um, because they stand out on their own chemically because they contain plant chemicals called citral or lemonine. Those are chemical compounds that are also found in citrus fruits. So they kind of share that same 
lemony, limey um, flavor to them. The ornamental varieties are the ones that are less used and favored for culinary purposes. They'll be fine if that's what you have. If you need um, some basil and you're growing some ornamental ones, you can use that for sure. The ornamental varieties include the dwarf and the globe varieties. Um, the dwarf ones have smaller leaves and they stay more compact. And the globe varieties, um, they actually grow in like small rounded mounds. They're pretty cool looking. These guys, the dwarf and the globe varieties, have teeny tiny leaves, but there are also some um, much larger ones that grow like regular um, basil, but they're purple and they have purple stems and they have dark green leaves with purple veins and pale lavender colored flowers. And those are pretty neat to just grow. Personally, I love the flavor and the scent of lemon basil the best, but they do kind of have small leaves, not teeny tiny, but small. Um, they just aren't as large as some of the sweet basils like Genovese or Mammoth or like the ruffly lettuce leaf basils. I don't know. You just have to pick a lot more lemon basil, like at least five leaves to equal the amount of one Mammoth basil leaf. I know that's stupid. <laughs> I mean, it makes me sound kind of lazy, but... I'm just going to go with saying that those large leaf basils sure make picking basil much more efficient, but so what? Lemon basil is totally worth growing because it's got that lemony and it's fresh flavor and it's really less in your face basil. Some basils are really quite pungent, both to smell and to taste. Lemon basil is smoother. I think that's a good way. Lemon, lemony and smooth. There are so many types of basil seeds available and in transplants too, you'll find some really cool varieties out there at the nurseries. Just do your research and find one that suits your taste or your growing needs. You know, today I picked up a fresh flower bouquet at the Taylor's Farmer's Market. And my little zinnia bouquet contained purple basil flower stems, which added, it, it, they just added like this spiky texture to the bouquet and just a little bit of dark purple and dark green. And I love my little um, bouquet. It's just so cute. And of course there is that basil scent, that wonderful basil scent. It's really nice, especially since zinnias just don't have any sort of fragrance at all. Considering that it is August, I am going to encourage you to buy some basil transplants so that you can have a jumpstart on harvesting basil about the same time that you harvest fall tomatoes. Fresh basil, with fresh tomatoes. Mm. That's some good stuff. 
but if you find a fun and unusual variety that you want to plant from seed, go for it. You know, your plants may not get to be completely full size before it cools down, but we've got quite a bit of time. We're probably good until November. You should be able to start harvesting some leaves if you um, plant now, because it only takes like three or four weeks um, after you sow the leaves before it's uh, you got enough leaves to, to harvest. But just go ahead and do it. Plant those seeds. Plant half now. Save the other half for next spring. Speaking of seeds, basil is actually one of the easiest herbs to save the seeds. Instead of deadheading and pinching back the flowers on your basil, allow them to flower and set seed. If you let the flowers get to be more than like a half inch tall um, before pinching them out, that basil plant is going to get leggy and will put all of its energy into flower and seed production and not so much into making more leaves. If you have, say, two or three basil plants, go ahead and let one go to seed. You can pick the leaves um, from the other plant, and then later you can collect the seeds from the one that you let flower. Bees really, really love basil flowers. So that's another plus for letting them go. Not only get seeds, but you also are helping the bees. Once the flowers get pollinated, the blossoms will start to drop off and then you can clip off like the whole flower stem and hang it up to air dry. You can also put them in a paper bag. That way when the seed pods are dry and they pop, the seeds are caught in your paper bag. Just scoop out the seeds and store them in an airtight jar or a baggie or a little envelope and save them for next spring. All right, well, it's been kind of a long day, so I'm gonna go ahead and wrap up the show. I hope you're enjoying Plano's as much as I enjoy putting it together for you. Now, I did look at the weather forecast uh, this week, and it seems like we're gonna have some legit Texas summer weather this week. I mean, nothing cuckoo crazy, no, 100 degree weather for days on end according to the forecast i saw um, we can expect low to mid 90s so that is just perfect for this time of year thank you guys so much for joining me here in my backyard i hope you have an excellent week <laughs> Production assistance provided by KBSR, Black Sparrow Radio. Original music created by Alex Cuervo. Discover more of his music at alexcuervo.tv. If you love plants and gardening in Central Texas, be sure to click the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts and never miss seasonal information on Plow and Hose. Plow and Hose is written and recorded at my home in Taylor, Texas.